Good day, friends. It's September 9th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide. We are steadily making our way through the 66 books of the Bible, reading each day from both the Old and the New Testaments. We are now on our 252nd day of our journey and have been very blessed with the perspective of God's Word outlining His redemptive work in history. The English word Bible comes from Biblion, from the Greek, meaning little book, and it really is a little book when you consider all that it contains. It's an extensive library of 39 Old Testament books and 27 in the New Testament, featuring a variety of literary genres. In recent days, we've taken in the historical narratives of the books of Kings, the philosophical reporting of the book of Ecclesiastes, the fervent love poetry of Song of Solomon, song lyrics of praise and prayers of petition from the book of Psalms, the parallel maxims of Proverbs, the crisis literature of the New Testament epistles, and now we are taking in the visions of the prophets. And today is our second day of reading the book of Isaiah. My name is David McAdam, and it is my joy to help you navigate this journey as we read the Bible together and do our best to give you an explanatory overview. So let's pray as we start out on our journey today. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your word, and we ask that your Holy Spirit would help us to perceive what you want us to grab hold of. And we do ask, Lord, that we would receive the correction, the encouragement, and the counsel from your word today. And in the words of the psalmist, we ask that you would open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things out of your word. Let's get started now. We are in the book of Isaiah, chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, and we will read through to chapter 5, verse 30. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, Judgment on Judah and Jerusalem. For behold, the Lord God of hosts is taking away from Jerusalem and from Judah support and supply all support of bread and all support of water, the mighty man and the soldier, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder, the captain of fifty and the man of rank, the counselor and the skilled magician and the expert in charms. And I will make boys their princes and infants shall rule over them. And the people will oppress one another, every one his fellow and every one his neighbor. The youth will be insolent to the elder and the despised to the honorable. For a man will take hold of his brother in the house of his father, saying, You have a cloak, you shall be our leader, and this heap of ruins shall be under your rule. In that day he will speak out, saying, I will not be a healer, in my house there is neither bread nor cloak, you shall not make me leader of the people. For Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen, because their speech and their deeds are against the Lord defying his glorious presence. For the look on their faces bears witness against them. They proclaim their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them, for they have brought evil on themselves. Tell the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their deeds. Woe to the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for what his hands have dealt out shall be done to him. My people, Infants are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, your guides mislead you, and they have swallowed up the course of your paths. The Lord has taken his place to contend. He stands to judge peoples. The Lord will enter into judgment with the elders and princes of his people. It is you who have devoured the vineyard. The spoil of the poor is in your houses. 
What do you mean by crushing my people, by grinding the face of the poor? declares the Lord God of hosts. The Lord said, Because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with outstretched necks, glancing wantonly with their eyes, mincing along as they go, tinkling with their feet. Therefore the Lord will strike with a scab the heads of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will lay bare their secret parts. In that day the Lord will take away the finery of the anklets, the headbands, and the crescents, the pendants, the bracelets, and the scarves, the headdresses, the armlets, the sashes, the perfume boxes, and the amulets, the signet rings and the nose rings, the festal robes, the mantles, the cloaks, and the handbags, the mirrors, the linen garments, the turbans, and the veils. Instead of perfume, there will be rottenness, and instead of a belt, a rope, and instead of well-set hair, baldness, and instead of a rich robe, a skirt of sackcloth, and branding instead of beauty. Your men shall fall by the sword, and your mighty men in battle. And her gates shall lament and mourn, empty she shall sit on the ground. Chapter 4 And seven women shall take hold of one man in that day, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own clothes, only let us be called by your name. Take away our reproach. In that day the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land shall be the pride and honor of the survivors of Israel. And he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy, everyone who has been recorded for life in Jerusalem, when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem from its midst by a spirit of judgment and by a spirit of burning. Then the Lord will create over the whole site of Mount Zion and over her assemblies a cloud by day and smoke and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For over all the glory there will be a canopy. There will be a booth for shade by day from the heat and for a refuge and a shelter from the storm and rain. Chapter 5 The Vineyard of the Lord Destroyed Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. Woe to those who join house to house, who add field to field until there is no more room, and you are made to dwell alone in the midst of the land. The Lord of hosts has sworn in my hearing, Surely many houses shall be desolate, large and beautiful houses, without inhabitant, for ten acres of vineyard shall yield but one bath, 
and a homer of seed shall yield but an ephah. Woe to those who rise early in the morning, that they may run after strong drink, who tarry late into the evening, as wine inflames them. They have lyre and harp, tambourine and flute, and wine at their feasts, but they do not regard the deeds of the Lord, or see the work of His hands. Therefore my people go into exile, for lack of knowledge. Their honored men go hungry, and their multitude is parched with thirst. Therefore Sheol has enlarged its appetite, and opens its mouth beyond measure. And the nobility of Jerusalem and her multitude will go down, her revelers and he who exults in her. Man is humbled, and each one is brought low, and the eyes of the haughty are brought low. For the Lord of hosts is exalted in justice, and the holy God shows himself holy in righteousness. Then shall the lambs graze as in their pasture, and nomads shall eat among the ruins of the rich. Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of falsehood, who draw sin as with cart ropes, who say, Let him be quick, let him speed his work, that we may see it. Let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw near, and let it come that we may know it. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink, who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of his right. Therefore, as the tongue of fire devours the stubble, and as dry grass sinks down in the flame, so their root will be as rottenness, and their blossom go up like dust. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts, and have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against His people, and He stretched out His hand against them, and struck them, and the mountains quaked, and their corpses were as refuse in the midst of the streets. For all this his anger has not turned away, and his hand is stretched out still. He will raise a signal for nations far away, and whistle for them from the ends of the earth. And behold, quickly, speedily they come. None is weary, none stumbles, none slumbers or sleeps. Not a waistband is loose, not a sandal strap broken. Their arrows are sharp, all their bows bent. Their horses' hoofs seem like flint, and their wheels like the whirlwind. Their roaring is like a lion, like young lions they roar. They growl and seize their prey, they carry it off, and none can rescue. They will growl over it on that day, like the growling of the sea. And if one looks to the land, behold darkness and distress, and the light is darkened by its clouds. And this concludes our reading from today's portion from the Old Testament from the prophet Isaiah. Now let's take a few moments to reflect upon some observations. Jesus said, To whom much is given, much will be required. In Luke chapter 12, verse 48, Those who are given much light will be judged more severely. In the first section of Isaiah, we read much about the judgment of nations, but Isaiah starts with Israel. God holds Israel accountable. It was God who formed this nation according to His promise to Abraham. He made Himself known to them, pledging His presence and preserving protection. They had the privilege of special revelation, God's dealings, His law, and the gospel provision prefigured in the tabernacle. With privileges comes responsibility. Israel had more light than their neighbors. Light rejected 
brings severe consequences in the disciplinary measures of God. Isaiah chapters 2 through 5 represent one prophecy. God reveals both the prospective glory intended for His people, Israel, and the prospective chastisement for rejecting their responsibilities to walk in the light. The invitation that God originally gave to Israel, He extends to all who repent and believe the gospel. Come, house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 5. In the New Testament, in the Gospel of John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. The Gospel of John chapter 12, verse 35, Jesus said to them, For a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. In Isaiah chapter 3, the prophecy against Jerusalem and Judah continues. God promises to judge sin. He has done it in the past, He is doing it in the present, and He will do it in the future. Most importantly, in His mercy and grace, He punished sin by absorbing the sin debt of all who would believe on His perfect provision of His Holy Son, Jesus, the Lamb of God. His atoning death on the cross removes the wrath of God against sin for the penitent believer who puts his or her trust in this merciful provision of a Savior. As we read chapters 3 through 5, we can see how relevant this is to today. God is already judging sin. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Romans chapter 1 verse 18. He allows people to experience the consequences of their own rejection of His wisdom and love. He withdraws His merciful supplies and support. There is a shortage of food and water in Isaiah 3 verse 1. He withdraws competent leadership in Isaiah chapter 3 verses 2 through 7. This judgment is the result of the people's rejection of His word and His glorious presence in verse 8. And in verse 9 we read, the expression of their faces bears witness against them, and they display their sin like Sodom. They do not even conceal it. Woe to them, for they have brought evil on themselves. We see this in our own country today. It is the judgment of God's abandonment. God gives them over to their own desires and ruin. Their demise is the fruit of their own deeds. Notice what the Lord says in chapter 3, verse 14. It is important to remember this, when we get to chapter 5 and when we hear Jesus speak in the Gospel of John chapter 15, the Lord enters into judgment with the elders and princes of His people. It is you who have devoured the vineyard. The plunder of the poor is in your houses. Isaiah chapter 3 verse 14. Israel was planted by the Lord as His choice vine in His own vineyard. However, it proves to be a false vine. It fails to bring forth fruit to the glory of God. It sabotages the beautiful intentions he had for the vineyard. In contrast to Israel, the false vine, Jesus will announce that he is the true vine in John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. God's vineyard was to be a picture of peace, harmony, love, and loveliness. Now it is ruined by sin. Instead of focusing on the inward beauty of holiness, the women focused on outward beauty and disregarded their inward corruption. 
In Isaiah chapter 3, verses 16 through 24, the men have relinquished their God-given responsibilities of leadership under the Word. Their acquiescence to worldliness will lead to their being overtaken by the enemy and killed by the sword. In chapter 3, verse 25. In chapter 4, Israel is desperate for deliverance, and rightfully so. In chapter 4, verse 1, the deliverance will come through the promised branch. In verse 2, chapter 4 is the briefest chapter in the book, containing only six verses. Judgment decimates a society. The wages of sin is death. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, war times have reduced populations drastically, especially with so many men dying on the front lines of battle. In verse 1, we read of a manpower shortage. In verse 2, we read a phrase that will appear often as we read the prophets, in that day, referring to the day of the Lord. This is the period when God comes in judgment and clears the way for His righteous rule upon the earth. The Hebrew day always begins at sundown. The darkness of judgment comes before the dawn of the righteous rule of God and the peaceable kingdom. The cross comes before Pentecost. The Passover lamb must be slain before there is the pillar of cloud and fire of God's tabernacling among men. There are 18 Hebrew words that are translated by the one English word, branch. They all refer to the Lord Jesus. The word in verse 2 means sprout. Jesus is the one who springs forth to fulfill the promise of deliverance. He will bring cleansing, holiness, and fruitfulness to the surviving remnant. He will accomplish this by the spirit of judgment and spirit of burning, purifying fire. In chapter 4, verse 4, he answers their prayer to take away their disgrace. In chapter 4, verse 1, the result of this purification will be the restoration of God's rule in the midst of his people. In chapter 4, verses 5 through 6, his presence is symbolized by the cloud and his protection is symbolized by the shelter. Then the Lord will create over the whole area of Mount Zion and over her assemblies a cloud by day, even smoke, and the brightness of a flaming fire by night, for over all the glory will be a canopy. There will be a shelter to give shade from the heat by day and refuge and protection from the storm and the rain. Isaiah chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. The prophecy in chapters 2 through 5 culminates with this prophetic interpretation of Israel's history, the parable of the vineyard. Jesus will use this image in his parables also. Israel is likened to a vineyard planted by the Lord. It is separate from the world and protected by a fence. The border wall safeguards the fact that it belongs to the Lord and He will do all that He can to protect it. The gathered out stones speak of their previous history in which the Lord brought them into the land to cleanse it of idolatries before taking full possession of it. The building of the tower speaks of the provision given to provide watch care through godly oversight. The winepress speaks of the purpose of the vineyard to bring forth wine, which is a symbol of that which brings glory to God and joyful satisfaction to humankind. However, the vineyard proves to be a complete loss and it is the fault of the false vine. In chapter 3, verse 14, the Lord looked for the fruit of righteousness and justice, but instead found oppression and violence, resulting in distress and bloodshed. Isaiah 5, verse 7. These sins are denounced in a series of six woes, or six curses. The first woe is against land speculators, Isaiah chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. 
they thought little of ousting the poor as they pursued their interests in real estate development. Their properties will go to ruin and their crops will fail. The second woe will be against those addicted to pleasure, in chapter 5, verses 11 through 17. Those addicted to wine, drugs, and their various addictions will foolishly see their lives ruined. Their irresponsibility will lead to impaired understanding, in verse 13, and early death, in verse 14. They will lose their good standing in their society, family, and workplace, and brought low, in verse 15. In allowing this judgment of abandoning them to their desires, God will show Himself to be righteous. Their fields will be left for others to feed upon. The third woe is upon the defiant skeptics, chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. They proudly rationalize their disobedience to God's word. Their disbelief is due to the fact that they have harnessed themselves to sin, preferring it to God, dragging it along like an ox drawing along a weighty cart. The fourth woe is upon those who revise the moral code to fit their wickedness. The old immorality becomes the new morality. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. The fifth woe is to the self-proclaimed brights, the self-righteous, intellectually prideful. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 21. Sixth and final woe is against moral cowards. They cater to the crowds, accept bribes, deny justice to the innocent, and prefer self-rule to the rule of God. In chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Therefore, as a tongue of fire consumes stubble and dry grass collapses into the flame, so their root will become like rot and their blossom blow away as dust. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 24. The title, The Holy One of Israel, is used 23 times in Isaiah, more than in any other book of the Bible. A read-through of the book of Isaiah will give us all a greater appreciation for God's holiness. May it inspire our worship. May we also appreciate the fact that, like Israel, our flesh is a false vine. It fails to bring forth fruit that glorifies God and profits nothing. In John chapter 15, verse 4, and John chapter 6, verse 63. But Jesus is the true vine, and the fruit of His indwelling Spirit brings forth that which is pleasing both to God and others. Are we being fruitful as disciples of the Lord Jesus? Let's ponder that question as we move on now to the New Testament reading, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 11, Verses 1 through 15. Paul and the False Apostles. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deserved Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super-apostles. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. 
Indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preached God's gospel to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. And what I am doing I will continue to do, in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. And this is the end of today's New Testament reading from the One Year Bible. Now let's take a few moments to reflect. Paul's intention is to present each believer and every church before God as fully mature and fully devoted. As those who have been betrothed to the Lord, we are to forsake all others and be fully consecrated to Him alone as our heavenly bridegroom. He does not want to see the affections of the bride of Christ captured by any other suitor. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. Paul addresses the false teachers, the popular super-apostles, who were deceiving the church with a message that removed them from faith in the perfections of Christ and His finished work of redemption. Paul said that they preached another Jesus, a false gospel, and they offered a different spirit. Their teaching undermined the authority of God's Word. The church at Corinth had come under the influence of itinerant speakers who charged fees for their insights and instruction on gaining greater intimacy with God and having a more satisfactory life. These false teachers dismissed Paul and his teaching. They said that the reason he did not ask for money was that he had nothing to say that was worth hearing. Paul explains that the reason he did not charge money or beg for their financial support was because he did not want to be a burden to them. In fact, other churches were supporting him so he could minister in Corinth freely. He defends his record of financial integrity, although he makes apology for having to do so. He makes his boast in order to cut the ground out from underneath those who are attacking him with false charges. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 7-15. through 15. We are to be aware that Satan continues to undermine the authority of God's Word with subtle distortions, deceptions, and outright contradictions. He masquerades himself, falsely appearing to be on the outside what he is not on the inside. He pretends to be light, but he is the prince of darkness. There is no other righteousness than that which comes to us via the cross of Christ. Beware of the darkness of false gospels. Now let's go to our next stop on our Bible reading tour to the book of Psalms, and we'll be reading Psalm 53, verses 1 through 6. There is none who does good, according to Mahalath, a maskil of David. Psalm 53. The fool says in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt, doing abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. God looks down from heaven on the children of man 
to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all fallen away. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Have those who work evil no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon God? There they are, in great terror, where there is no terror. For God scatters the bones of him who encamps against you. You put them to shame, for God has rejected them. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When God restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. You will already be familiar with this psalm because it is a repetition of what we read in Book 1 of Psalms in Psalm 14. If you compare the two, you will notice slight variations of this song. This may be because of a special need of its application. These verses also appear in Paul's letter to the Romans when he is proving from Scripture man's total depravity. There is no one who does good, not even one. Psalm 51 verse 3. Psalm 14, verse 3, and Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Jesus said, There is none good but one, that is God. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 17, and Mark chapter 10, verse 18. Psalm 53 adds this variation to Psalm 14, whereas Psalm 14, verse 5, simply says, They are in great terror, for God is with the generation of the righteous. Psalm 53, verse 5 says, There they are, in great terror, where there is no terror. This reminds us that when we begin with the fear of the Lord, there will be no reason to fear, even when the threat of fear is thrown upon us. Why? Because God is with us. Now for our final reading for today, we go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, verses 28 and 29. Do not move the ancient landmark that your fathers have set. Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. We should respect that there are reasons for the ancient boundaries and not quickly remove them. God gives us talents, but we must develop them in order to achieve skill. This effort will distinguish us from those who fail to do so. Let's pray together. Gracious God and Father, we marvel at your mercy. What more could you have done than what you have done for your vineyard? You have given us your Son, the true vine. In him we have the assurance of a life that will bear fruit if we remain in him. Thank you for calling us to yourself, fencing us into your care, filling us with your presence, and covering us with the canopy of your protection. We rejoice with gladness that you have restored that which was lost through the disobedience of Adam. Empower us with the obedience of a faith that works by love through your indwelling spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining with us on our one-year Bible reading journey, and God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow, continuing with the book of Isaiah and Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. If you would like to know more about New Life Community Church and its ministries, or you would like a written copy of our daily commentary, you can subscribe at our website, newlife.org. And if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us by writing an email to podcast at newlife.org. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Shalom.